Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We're going to Wembley. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry. I don't know what happened there. What a mess. What a mess. I tried to play the intro video. I have no idea what happened there. Uh, but anyway, welcome back along to the show. I uh, hope you're good. I hope you're all well. Uh, how many of you have we got with us live right now? Um, I don't even know what's going on. Am I streaming? Am I not streaming? What the hell has gone wrong here? I think I'm streaming. Give me a thumbs up. There we go. No sound. Legendary intro. Amazing. <laughs> what a mess. What an absolute mess. Uh, let me see if you guys uh, can hear me. Can you hear me? Can you see me? Um, yep, got sound, says Johnny. I'm assuming you haven't got video, though, for you guys to be talking like that loud and clear. Late, but can hear you. I'm always late. Got sound, got sound. It's all a dream. Oh, what a what an absolute mess. There we go. I think we're good now. Are we good? Yeah, all good. Okay, cool. Right, let's get into it then. I tried to do um, an elaborate intro today. I tried to do it um, a little bit differently and I got it completely, uh, completely horribly wrong. I pressed the intro to roll on my little software and it just didn't roll. It, it didn't do anything. I sat there panicking and I thought, shit, great. And this is the problem when you do a live podcast. I could go back and edit it out for the audio, but yeah, won't bother. <laughs> won't bother. Peeny Ween says it's so bad, it's good. I'll take that, mate. I'll take that uh, any day of the week. Right. We got lots and lots to talk about on this Sunday session, uh, which is what we're going to call this show. Going to try and do these as often as we possibly can on a Sunday night, particularly in weeks where there's loads and loads to talk about from the rest of the football world as well, because there really, really is, you know, we're going to talk Arsenal, of course, we're going to talk about um, Joao Cancelo, we're going to talk about Moises Caicedo, we're going to talk about all the rest of it, but we're also going to touch on some other subjects on this edition of the show as well. We're going to look back on the FA Cup final. I guess winning an FA Cup in your first season isn't for everybody, Mr. Eric Ten Hag. We'll be talking about how the final went. We'll be talking about what that means for Arsenal, which is obviously a place in the Community Shield final. Is that good or a bad thing? We'll get into that. We'll also reflect on Karim Benzema's announcement with regards to his future. He is leaving Real Madrid. We'll talk Ange Postacoglu, of course, who is uh, headed for Spurs, apparently, um, and whether that would be a good appointment or not. There's so much to get into. The technical gremlins are after me tonight. I can feel it already. Uh, so bear with me if there are any glitches uh, or any issues during the broadcast. Um, we will plough through and we'll make sure uh, that we um, we get to the end uh, without or with as little hiccups as possible. Anyway, we've been going for three and a half minutes. I've had probably four or five uh, technical issues so far, but we're back, uh, I think. Anyway, um, yeah. I shouldn't talk about it because then if I don't talk about it, I can edit it out and nobody would ever notice, but I just can't help it because it annoys me so much. It just gets under my skin. But anyway, I think we're good. Um, I think we're okay now. Uh, if I could just ask you guys uh, before... Uh, we dive into the uh, full program. If you could please 
uh, leave a like on the video. That really, really does help. If you could subscribe to the channel as well, that would be amazing. Uh, we're not a million miles away from 27,000 subscribers here on the YouTube channel. And um, what I'd like to do is start pushing towards that 30,000 mark. That would be a dream. You know, when I first set out doing this thing, I thought if I got a thousand subscribers, I'd be lucky. And it's grown and grown and grown and grown. But I'd love to get to that 30K mark sooner rather than later. So, um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you are new around here, please do subscribe. And if you're listening on audio, well, why not come over and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well? Because there is some content like our vlogs, for example, that don't go out on audio. So you are missing out if you're not subscribed across the multiple platforms. But anyway, um, there's a few questions in the chat as well. We'll take some of those uh, too. In fact, should we take some of those questions first? Should we do it the other way around today? Should we do something a little bit different? Um, name says, um, Harry Cancelo or Caicedo? I think it's an either or uh, because I think Arteta likes the Caicedo right back invert option. And with Car Cancelo, there's no chance we get both. So for me, Caicedo, I think that's a really, really interesting point. Um, I don't think we get Rice, Caicedo and Cancelo. I don't think we'll get all three. I think we could push the boat out and get two of them, though. Which two? I'm not sure. Um, and that's going to be the really, really interesting thing to to keep an eye on and watch uh, over the last uh, over the next few months, I guess. Because, you know, I, I anticipate this window being a big one for Arsenal in that I expect them to try and push on to the next level. And I expect their business to reflect that of a club looking to push on and get better and better and better. But at the same time, I'm aware that there will be limitations, right? They won't be able to go as crazy as some people want them to. Uh, and they're unlikely to spend upwards of, you know, 220, 240 million pounds, which is basically what you're going to need to spend if you're going to want to get those players that we've talked about and any of the other positions that you feel we need to address as well. So it's going to be a really, really interesting summer. I think we will sell. Who will sell remains to be seen at this point. Um, but I think we'll do our bit and our best to try and generate uh, a bit more income that way so as uh, to be able to stand as great a chance as possible of going out and getting those players uh, that we, we're, we've we got our eyes on at the moment, not just as a football club, but as fans as well. The other thing is as well that I wouldn't put it past Arsenal having some alternative option um, lined up in the background who maybe the club believe is a better option or a first option that we just don't know about yet. Arsenal, as we've said many a times on this show, they do like to operate in the shadows and you've got to be mindful of that as well. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that we probably don't get Cancelo and Caicedo. Um, but I I'm not... <laughs> I don't want to put a downer on it for everybody, but I'm not yet 100% convinced that we're going to try for Rice and Caicedo. I feel like it could be one or the other. Now, it shouldn't be. I think we should try and get both. But I would be surprised if we got both, really surprised. And if we got both, then that significantly reduces the chances, in my opinion, of getting Cancelo, because I think that will require quite a significant investment as well. But... Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like Kai, the Caicedo one isn't as clear cut as maybe the Declan Rice situation with regards to where the player wants to go. You know, Declan Rice, people are talking about Bayern Munich. I don't believe for a minute that he wants to go there. I, I think he'd consider it, obviously, and he should because they're a huge football club. They're a fantastic football club. But 
I think that if Arsenal can reach an agreement with West Ham, then it's done. You know, that's that's the bit that I worry about, that I'm concerned about. That's the potential sticking point. When it comes to Moises Caicedo, I feel like Liverpool could be in temptation to him as well. I know they're not in the Champions League next season, but the likelihood of them being without Champions League football for any long period of time is unlikely, I think. And and yeah, I think that Liverpool would appeal to him. I really, really do. So yeah, um, I'm more concerned, shall we say, about the Caicedo one than I am the Rice one at this point, but for different reasons. Um, and yeah, let's let's see how these play out. But um, let's take one more question from the chat and then we'll we'll dive into um, the, the content today and, and we'll come back to some questions a little bit later on. Cesar says, does your work schedule slow down during the summer or is it the same, just different, genuinely interested? It's different. Um, it is different. I have to say that. So one of the things that's happened to me this season is that obviously I've been going out and covering more games on the ground than I had done in the past. I always went to the Arsenal games, but in the season that's just finished, you know, I was covering uh, games for BBC London and that could involve me covering any of the London clubs, whether that be Premier League, Championship, League One, sometimes even League Two. I covered all of those leagues. I covered the FA Cup. So every weekend I was at a minimum of one game and sometimes I was at multiple games. There were midweek games as well. And it just felt like a massive blur. The season just flew by. It was so crazy busy. And um, and over the past couple of weekends, or, or certainly uh, the weekend we played Forest, because I didn't go to the Forest game and I wasn't working that weekend. I felt lost. I didn't know what to do with myself. And obviously this weekend that's just finishing up now, you know, Saturday morning I wake up and I don't know what to do with myself. I'm not going to any football. So it's different. But there will be lots of stuff to talk about. The podcast will be daily. No question about that. I've got the Champions League final to cover, flying out to Istanbul on Wednesday for that. Um, and I'll be out there for a few days, but we'll keep bringing you some form of content. It might be a little bit shorter, just depending on what the schedule out there is like. Um, and then, yeah, and then back here and, and sort of fully focused on the podcast. So it's different. It's not much less busy. It is less busy, of course, because you don't have the games as well as all the rest of it. But yeah, um, you need it. You need it. And I feel like I really need it this summer more than any other summer previously. I know it feels like I, you know, moan uh, about how tired I am all the time and on every episode of the podcast. But by the end of the season, I really did feel burnout. And some of my colleagues even said, I think you're a bit burnt out, aren't you? Which kind of made me realize, whoa, if you can see it, um, then then this is a thing. So, yeah, I just need to make sure that I, I take a bit of time as well as continue with the podcast to just recharge a little bit because hopefully, you know, the new season will be just as busy. It might not be. No one might. Maybe no one won't want me. Uh, or, or maybe don't, maybe nobody will want me. I can't even speak. Bloody hell. Um, next season. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, anyway, let's, um, let's dive into uh, what we're here. Uh, to chat about today then. So um, I think we should start with the FA Cup final and the repercussions that that has on Arsenal, what it means for Arsenal. So obviously Manchester City crowned FA Cup winners yesterday at Wembley, beating Manchester United, their local rivals, by two goals to one and taking another massive step towards the treble. Man United were desperate, absolutely desperate to put a spanner in the works. They were desperate to stop Manchester City taking that next step um, 
you know, in their quest to match Manchester United's achievement of 1999. I thought it was a really good final, actually. I thought it was really enjoyable. I wondered how Manchester United would set their stall out if they'd go overly defensive. I think Ten Hag actually picked the right team in terms of the balance. Um, you know, he needed to have something going forward. He needed to have a little bit of threat. There was always going to have to be an acceptance, I think, that City were going to dominate the ball and have most of the ball. And you were going to have to hang in there at various points. I thought United did OK. You know, I, I've seen like lots of reaction to their defeat and I've seen a lot of over the top takes, in my opinion, because I think that when you're going up against this Manchester City side, as we've seen, it's very, very difficult. And you almost have to be perfect. You almost have to be flawless. You can ill afford to make any small mistakes and you can ill afford to give them even the slightest of advantages. And I thought that, obviously, the way Man City started the game, um, you know, a goal inside 12, 13 seconds, that's the dream start. But it is an absolute nightmare <laughs> um, for the side that concedes that goal because, you know, it wasn't a very complex goal either. It wasn't like Manchester City were right up for it and they caught them cold with a, a really cool move from kickoff off the training ground or anything like that. It wasn't that, was it? It was literally a long ball forward. It was cushioned down. And when it fell to Ilkay Gundogan, he made no mistake with the strike. Now, let me just say one thing. Ilkay Gundogan obviously got both the goals for Manchester City on the day. He scored some really clutch goals as well. Um, in their charge towards the Premier League title. And he did it at the back end of last season as well. He really kind of stepped to the fore. I still cannot believe that there are Arsenal fans out there that don't think Ilkay Gundogan is good enough for us, that would turn their noses up at the possibility of bringing this guy to Arsenal on a free transfer. Now, for the record, I don't think it's going to happen. I think if Ilkay Gundogan leaves Manchester City, he goes abroad. Barcelona are heavily linked. Uh, Milan are heavily linked. So I don't think that he is, um, I don't think that he is Arsenal bound by any stretch of the imagination. But I just find it weird that there are Arsenal supporters out there that think that he is beneath us or that we should avoid that signing at all costs because of the fact that it would be signing another Manchester City reject. I, I can't understand that mentality. I can't understand that logic because signing two Manchester City rejects in Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko at the start of last season played a huge part in propelling us up to a whole new level. So if you're going to turn your nose up at Gundogan, it's it's weird to me. I get that he's 32 and I, I, I guess that's a major difference between Jesus and Zinchenko who are at ages where you could feel like you could justify the investment a little bit more. But to me, he's a wonderful, wonderful footballer. Um, the second goal as well, um, you know, he hit the target. He did pretty well to dig that shot out. Question marks over David De Gea for me. I thought, you know, he he was caught completely cold with the early one. And although I thought his positioning wasn't great and the fact that he was caught cold was quite poor, actually, I think that the element of... Sub I think the element of surprise at kind of having to deal with it or, or having to try and deal with a shot like that inside 12 seconds, just caught him out. Um, yeah, just caught him out. Uh, but anyway, I think it's clear that United need to move on from David De Gea uh, for a number of other reasons as well, of what he does with the ball at his feet, 
it's not quite the level that you'd imagine Eric Ten Hag wants in order to try and play his game. So um, that's going to be an interesting decision for United to make on that. But um, Ilkay Gundogan, two fantastic goals, two clutch goals again. Um, and uh, and as I say, that means that Arsenal go to Wembley to face Manchester City in the Community Shield. Why? Uh, for those of you that are maybe newer to the sport and haven't seen this happen before, it's because if you win the Premier League and the FA Cup, which are the two sides that go on to contest the Community Shield, which is, I guess, our version of the Super Cup here in England, well, Manchester City can't play themselves. So by default, if the same club win the Premier League and the FA Cup, the runner-up in the Premier League is then nominated to go and play that showpiece event right at the start of the season. It is classed as a friendly competition here. It isn't seen with as much value as you see sort of other Super Cups around Europe uh, sort of placed with. But what I would say is it, it can lay down a marker. You know, we've traditionally done very, very well in that. We haven't always gone on and done brilliantly in the season to follow, but we've always done quite well in that competition, in that event when we've had the opportunity to play in it. And I guess, look, for me, actually, I, I don't really want to play City in pre-season or, or the week before the season, because I think what you saw last season from Arsenal was a really strong pre-season, which breeded confidence, which meant when we started the campaign and we had five very winnable fixtures right at the start of the campaign, we, we carried the confidence from pre-season into that. And I thought that really helped in terms of giving us a really strong start. And that laid the foundation for the season. That set the tone for the season. You go to Wembley and you lose to Manchester City, which can very easily happen. Then, you know, you, you're going to have to then try and reset and get back into the right frame of mind going into the Premier League game. So I would argue it's not ideal um, from a sort of preparation perspective for those reasons. But listen, one of my big regrets about last season is that we didn't lay a glove on Man City. So it's an opportunity to try and do that. And it's an opportunity to, to maybe make a positive statement going into the campaign, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But look, we'll see. Um, it's probably going to be played on the 6th of August, which will be the weekend before the Premier League kicks off. That's when it normally is on the Sunday. Uh, day out at Wembley for the Arsenal fans, which we deserve. No question about that. Um, but yeah. I'm not sure that I'm as buzzing about it as others, but hey, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Joao Cancelo. Now, we've been talking about him a little bit already at the top of the show. Uh, would I like him? I absolutely would. But again, as I've mentioned before, Joao Cancelo falls into my category of da -da -da -da, if the price is right, you do it. If it's not, then you don't and you steer clear. Now, if you listen to some of the Italian journalists talking um, the likes of Gianluca Di Marzio, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that they've kind of been quoted as saying, or one of the conversations that's been had with regards to Cancelo is that Arsenal are in, in, in the question here. You know, Arsenal are in the picture when it comes to Joao Cancelo and his future because Pep Guardiola is not believed to be somebody who would go, well, you can't go there because you'd be strengthening them. He believes so much in what he does and so much in his own group that he's, not going to stand in his way, is the, the word coming out of Italy with regards to Joao Cancelo. And you might be thinking, well, he's been on loan at Bayern Munich. He belongs to Manchester City. What the hell have Italian journalists uh, got to do with this? And how do they have this information? Joao Cancelo spent a lot of time playing football in Italy. And as a consequence of that, and as a, a sort of uh, byproduct of that, his agency 
um, which also has big links to Italian football, um, you know, could well be passing on information uh, through to the Italian media. So I wouldn't discount that information necessarily. Uh, and Fabrizio Romano as well, who many see as the transfer guru, has been quoted as saying that conversations have been held between uh, Arsenal and Joao Cancelo's camp and that Arsenal do admire him. Uh, they have a close relationship with the agency that's currently representing him. But I guess this comes down to how much is it going to cost and and is it viable and is it something that Arsenal can do given that they want to do significant business in other areas as well. L listen, I would welcome this player with open arms. People say steer clear of him. He's a troublemaker. You know, yeah, we've had those before at Arsenal. And, you know, people would tell you that Granit Xhaka was a troublemaker in the past as well. So it, it depends on the manager. It depends on that relationship. You know, we always say that, you know, when, when a relationship breaks down, the first thing we do by default is go, the players are rotten apple. You know, he's the one that's the problem. He's the issue. Sometimes, though, it could be that the manager's been out of order in, in a particular circumstance or that there was a, just a disagreement. You know, two people that didn't see eye to eye it happens every day in life. So because Joao Cancelo seemingly fell out with Pep Guardiola, it's it's not enough for me to go, no, I don't want him because I think he's so useful for so many reasons. Not only is he super talented, experienced, all of those things, but his flexibility is unreal. Right back, left back, midfield if you want, inverted right back, inverted left back, traditional right back, traditional left back. He can do it all. And that, for me, would be really, really valuable in this group and in this makeup. So, yeah, I'd like to see us do this. But again, I don't think it's anything that Arsenal go near unless they believe that the price is um, it is something that represents good value based on what he would then, uh, of course, add to the equation. But um won't be an easy negotiation with Manchester City. But if you listen to those reports and to those suggestions, um, Pep Guardiola is not going to make a big song and dance about it and prevent him coming to Arsenal if that is indeed where he um, where he uh, wishes to uh, to end up. Right, guys, um, if I could ask you to please leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Let's try and get up to 150 likes ASAP. Could you uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already? That really, really does help. Uh, we're going to take a very, very brief pause if it works because my other intro video earlier um, on this software during this very live stream didn't work. So prepare yourselves for a bit of silence just in case it doesn't. Um, but then we're going to come back and we're going to talk Moises Caicedo. We're going to talk Karim Benzema and the knock-on effect that has in the transfer market. We're going to talk Ange Postacoglu as well, who's seemingly closing in on the Tottenham Hotspur job. And we're going to take your questions from the live chat. We'll be back with you in just a sec. <laughs> Hey, it worked. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, anyway, uh, right, let's uh, let's do this then. Let's talk Moises Caicedo. Uh, according to reports, Moises Caicedo is going to communicate where he wants to go in the next week. It's going to become public knowledge um, where exactly Moises Caicedo wants to end up. Maybe not public, public in terms of you and I uh, hearing it on Twitter, but um, there will be some sort of communication with regards to where he wants to end up. Arsenal are said to be in the mix. Chelsea are said to be in the mix. Liverpool too. Arsenal, the only ones though that can offer European football and have Arsenal already laid the groundwork based on the fact that discussions 
went on back in January. I think you'd have to believe that some progress was made there. You know, I find it impossible to think that Moises Caicedo would have put out that statement that he did at that time, at that point, without having had a conversation with Arsenal and without having, you know, been on board with what it was they were offering. So does that save us some time going into this window? Does that help us? Um, maybe, but also do we have, uh, or are we going to have greater difficulty dealing with Brighton because of the fact that we did what we did in January? Uh, we tried to force a deal through. They didn't want to know, et cetera, et cetera. Was there a little bit of friction there, as was reported at the time? I guess we're going to find out. But listen, Moises Caicedo could say he wants to come to Arsenal. It doesn't necessarily mean, though, that's where he's going to end up. And that's why these things are very difficult, very complicated, and uh, and why, you know, I don't get too carried away. But equally, um, you know, when something breaks down, I'm, I think I'm quite understanding because I recognise kind of how the landscape works. Moises Caicedo might say he wants to go to Arsenal. Arsenal might only want to cough up £65 million, in which case there's no deal to be done because Moises Caicedo is under contract and therefore Brighton and Hove Albion would have to grant us permission to take that negotiation and that discussion further. Chelsea could come in and offer £85 million. And by the end of the window, Moises Caicedo could have burnt his bridges at Brighton, be so desperate to get out the door. They could be desperate to bring in the money as well. And all of a sudden that deal gets done. I think that's kind of what happened with Mikhailo Mudrik as well. So I'm always wary of that. I really, really am. And I do feel like Moises Caicedo was the number one in January in terms of being a target, but maybe isn't this time around. I think he falls second to Declan Rice in the midfield pecking order when we're talking about that wish list. So, yeah, um, you know, I think that this is one very much to keep an eye on. Hopefully we'll get more of an indication as to where Moises Caicedo wants to go in the coming days. And that will, you know, you know, it won't be the be all and end all in terms of getting the deal done. But I, I think, you know, when you know that a player wants to come to you, it kind of just makes it simpler, doesn't it? OK, you want to come to us. We want you. Let's just go and do this. Let's just go and do this dance. Let's just go and do this deal and get it done. A S A P. So, um, yeah, Moises Caicedo expected to communicate where he wants to go in the next week or so. Right. Uh, Karim Benzema is leaving Real Madrid. The end of an era. What a player he's been for them. Sensational. Um, I'm not massively surprised that Karim Benzema is leaving. Uh, I think he's probably going to end up uh, going and getting a massive, massive payday somewhere. Um, he'd deserve it, to be fair. He's been a wonderful servant. Hasn't always been the main man at Real Madrid. Was kind of the, I don't want to use the term understudy because I don't think that's fair, but was certainly in the shadows a little bit when Cristiano Ronaldo was the main attraction at the Santiago Bernabeu. But that's no longer the case. Um, and, and Karen Benzema, I think, capped off a, a brilliant Real Madrid career, having won the Ballon d'Or last time out. And, um, and so, yeah, probably feels like this is the time to, to move on. Um, there have been plenty of suggestions, actually, over the course of the day, just sort of scrolling through social media, and looking at a few of the big outlets, that because of this, Tottenham could end up selling Harry Kane to Real Madrid as opposed to possibly Manchester United, who are also said to have an interest in the English. Man United fans in particular have been panicking about this today. Apologies. The, um, 
the, the cutting audio there, I, I did mention at the top of the show, we've, the gremlins have come after us today. But anyway, um, so yeah, look, you know, does this change things for Man United? I'm not sure. I don't think it does. I think Harry Kane would prefer to stay in the Premier League. I think that Harry Kane, I don't know. I, I don't think Harry Kane's the type that would, would want the glitz and glamour of Real Madrid overstaying in the Premier League, if that makes sense. And I know that sounds wild because who wouldn't want to play for Real Madrid? But I genuinely think Harry Kane would prefer to stay in the Premier League and go after that Premier League all-time great goalscorer record. So I don't think it really changes much in Harry Kane's mind. Does it change much in Tottenham's mind? Other than Tottenham being able to play Manchester United against Real Madrid in a bidding war, if it were to come to that, I don't really see that this changes the landscape either, to be honest with you. Because... I see Real Madrid as a club that look for Galacticos only. You've got to have a certain aura about you to be a Galactico. Harry Kane, in terms of talent, certainly has it and certainly would be a great acquisition for them. But is he a Galactico? He isn't. I'll tell you who is. Killing Who will have one year left on his contract at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, so, yeah, I, if I were Real Madrid, I'd, I'd rather hold fire. Maybe bring in a, a short term. I think we were, we were talking on 90 Min the other day. Grizz Khan suggested that what could happen is that Bobby Firmino ends up at Real Madrid as a sort of stopgap before they go and get Kylian Mbappe next summer. Um Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, Kylian Mbappe's got that contract until June 2025. But if they were to make that move for him next summer, it would obviously be much cheaper than it would be this time around where he's got two years left on his contract. So, yeah, really, really, um, really, really interesting stuff. Um, you know, is that going to have a big knock on effect? I don't really see it personally. I think if Man United want Harry Kane and are willing to meet Daniel Levy's asking price, which you know is going to be excessive because it's Daniel bloody Levy, I think they can get that deal done. The Real Madrid thing, does it make a massive difference? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, If I were a United fan and I thought my club were going to go out hell for leather to bring in Harry Kane, I wouldn't be scared by the Real Madrid situation because nobody's actually reported that Real Madrid are close or anything like that. Just that with Karim Benzema leaving, Harry Kane is a player that they admire. But financially, can they make it make sense? Does the player want it as well? Obviously, that's another factor here. I don't know. If I were a United fan, I wouldn't worry. But sticking on the um, on the topic of those uh, down the road, um, our neighbours who should not be named, uh, they are apparently closing in on the appointment of Ange Postacoglu. Big Ange. Uh, my good friend and colleague, Shabana Hearn, often says that I look like uh, Ange Postacoglu's son. Not because she knows what Ange Postacoglu's son looks like, but just because I look like I could look like Ange Postacoglu when I get older. So cheers for that, Shaban. Uh, because ever since you put that on Twitter, that has caught fire. Um, you wouldn't believe how many messages I get about that. I get called Mitrovic and Postacoglu. Those are the two uh, doppelgangers, apparently. But anyway, just last week, Tottenham fans were up in arms about the idea. 
of Ange Postacoglu coming in as the new boss. People were very, very unhappy at that suggestion. And I think they're wrong um, to write him off. I think they're wrong to be super critical of him. I think that he's a good manager. I can understand why there will be a reluctance to sort of jump up and down about it because at the very, very elite level, i.e. the Premier League, he's got no experience. You know, he's um, he's done brilliant things where he's been elsewhere. He's managed a national team. He's managed in Japan. He's done a very, very good job at Celtic, I believe. But, you know, the fact that he hasn't managed in the Premier League or the Serie A or the La Liga or Liga or the Bundesliga, that does work against him, of course, in terms of his reputation. But I'll tell you this about Ange Postacoglu. He's someone whose career I've watched quite closely um, because he's a Greek-Australian, obviously. Uh, but he's a very innovative thinker. He isn't someone who you know, who I think overcomplicates things. I think his style of football is very attractive, which is one of the things that I'm guessing Spurs fans want to see following the stints of Mourinho and then Antonio Conte. So they'll want to see some more free-flowing attacking football. They call it the Spurs way. Bring it back. Um, he has got a great deal of experience, albeit not at the highest, highest level. I think he's a great communicator which I think is important when you're embarking on a project. And I used to make this point about Mikel Arteta, and I used to make this comparison between him and Unai Emery quite a bit. When you can communicate well and you can attain the buy-in of people, that buys you time and leeway to work your magic and to do your job. If you can't get the buy-in of the people, then their tolerance or, or patience levels are much lower because they don't understand what it is you want. They're not rooting for you as a result of that. And therefore, it's much easier for them to get agitated, upset, angry, frustrated, and then turn from that sort of disappointment into anger, toxicity, and all of that has a big, big impact. Paul James says he'll be another Martin Yole uh, or Pochettino entertaining losers, maybe. You know, maybe he's just won a domestic treble with Celtic. I know it's Celtic. And with all due respect to Celtic, I know that the standard of the Scottish Premier League, Scottish Premiership is not the same as the Premier League. And that's why people like to discount that achievement. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Tottenham need a project. Tottenham need to embark on a project. I'm surprised that they'd go for someone at 57 years old, like Ange Postacoglu is, because, you know, you... You associate projects with younger managers, younger coaches. He's by no means over the hill or finished or anything like that. I'm not writing the guy off in that sense. But I think actually he is, as I say, a very innovative thinker. He's someone, for example, who went to Celtic, used his knowledge of the Japanese market, brought in a few really, really useful players, has got huge benefit out of them, huge upside out of them. Okay, that might not work in the Premier League. You know, th those kind of methods might not work in the Premier League. And there's much more pressure at Spurs um, than there is at most Premier League clubs to perform. There's always this thing hanging over them about their inability to get over the line, win trophies, Spursy, et cetera, et cetera. It is a hard task. And, and I get why there is a reluctance to embrace him. But if I were a Spurs fan, I wouldn't be dead against this, is the point I'm trying to make. 
It's one of those I'd be quite interested to see how it pans out. You know it'll be more entertaining. Um, and and you know that, you know, he'll bring a certain style of play. Whether that culminates into what you want it to remains to be seen. But I wouldn't be sort of jumping online and calling him every name under the sun, as I've seen some Tottenham fans doing this evening. So just a quick recap on what we've discussed on the latest here on this Sunday session over on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel slash podcast. We've talked Manchester City winning the FA Cup. Joao Cancelo, Arsenal have apparently held conversations with his people over a potential move. Moises Caicedo is due to communicate where he wants to go in the next week. Karen Benzema has left Real Madrid. Does that have a knock-on effect on the Harry Kane situation this summer? I don't think it does. But there is a lot of feeling um, that that could be the case. And Foster Koglu of Celtic is growing uh, increasingly likely to become the next Tottenham Hotspur manager, as reported this evening at the time of recording by David Ornstein. Right, guys, get your questions in. If you've put questions in already that I've missed, chuck them in again. Um, that would be great. I did put a, an interesting poll up at the start of the show. Um, which do you prefer? Suvla or Suvlagi, and that was um, inspired by uh, one of our viewers, George, who was in the chat. Uh, 39% of you prefer Suvla and 61% of you prefer Suvlagi. What's the difference? I hear some of you ask, Suvlagi is kebabs, or you know, the little pieces of meat on skewers, and Suvla is the big old pieces of meat on skewers too, turning, of course, as well, but nice and slow cooked over the charcoal. Personally, I prefer Suvla, but it's a much bigger time investment. Like, you can't just throw on Suvla like you do Suvlagia um, onto the barbecue. So Suvla is my preference, but it takes a lot longer. Um, I don't know how we got onto talking about this today. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm sure you've seen the videos on Twitter of uh, of me uh, trying to get those, uh, those going. Uh, anyway, look, let's take a few of your questions then uh, before we wrap this one up um <laughs> alex says all the cypriots in the chat definitely voted for suvla i'm sure they did i'm sure they did um right zaki hassan says would you consider selling tierney for a good deal i think i would um i think i would you know because i, I just don't think this is doing him any good um you know being second string i think he's better than that tactically doesn't really fit into what we want to do anyway and we're kind of keeping him based on how he fit before and his attitude and all of that stuff but you know um right now is he as useful to us as maybe someone else could be maybe as Jao Cancelo could be look put it this way I know Kieran Tini's younger and all that and will have less wages and all of that stuff but if if you told me that selling Kieran Tierney would mean we could bring Joao Cancelo in, I would do it. Because I think that the suitability Joao Cancelo would bring to that role is far greater than that that Kieran Tierney brings. And again, you know, look, at one point, people were talking about Cancelo as the best fullback in world football. At no point ever will Kieran Tierney be that. And that's not a, to throw shade at him. But this is the level of player we're talking about in Cancelo. And tactically, he would fit so, so, so much better. So 
I'd consider it if the price was right and that allowed me to do a deal like the Cancelo one. Yeah, for sure. Um, Paul James says, what is the minimum number of players coming in that you think will satisfy the fans? Very difficult to satisfy Arsenal fans. We've learned that over the last few years. Um, look, I think probably looking at about four. I think that's probably where I'm at, where my head's at. But I'm at the point now where I don't want to necessarily see a large volume of players coming in. I want quality over quantity. And um, and if we can get three, four really top players in that take the squad to a new level, I would prefer that than us spreading ourselves thin to try and cover a number of positions. Uh, Trini Guna says, would you go for a striker in the profile of Tammy Abraham or Vlavic as a plan B? Or do you get somebody similar to Jesus, maybe like Correa from Atletico? Apologies, this hay fever has really got to me today. Um, I've been sitting on the grass all afternoon and it's really started me off. Um, I do think we need a different type of striker, yeah. I think we need to vary it up sometimes. I think we need to have that plan B. As you say, I wouldn't go for Tammy Abraham. Not for me. Wasn't massively keen on him. <coughs> I beg your pardon. In the past when we were linked. Um, Vlavic, I was massively keen on. His stock in my eyes has gone down a little bit, though. I think that that's a good thing in one way because, you know, the raw talent's there. But you know that you probably get him at a much more competitive price. I, honestly, I haven't really thought about who specifically I would go for. Got an episode coming out this week, which is going to be our kind of shopping list uh, for the summer. So I can lay out my cards on the table nice and early. You guys can hear who I want and uh, and we can see if... Uh, you know, we can get any of that business done over the course of the summer. But um, I, I agree on the the overall point that we probably need a different type of striker. So as we're not so predictable um, is what I would say. Uh, NSW says, uh, smash the like, guys. Uh, Afsar says, moon the likes. Please do, guys. Can we get up to 200 likes? I think we're on about 135 at the moment. Uh, so it'd be amazing if we could get there. I'd really, really, really... Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Boss Buller says, do you think that selling Balogun is a good idea? Again, mate, it just, it just depends on the price. You know, I've talked about it quite a bit over the last few weeks. His stock is at the highest it probably will ever be. Um, you know, it could get higher. It could get bigger, greater, but you know, would I bank on that? Probably not. So I think that Right now, there's an opportunity to get 30, 35, maybe even 40 million pounds for him. And if you can do that, then why not go and do it and reinvest that in a team? If you have any doubts about whether he is suitable for us, if he is suitable for us, then you've got to make the decision. Is he more suitable, less suitable than Eddie Nketiah? And maybe you sell Eddie Nketiah, who we've got on a long-term contract. So although that would mean that we kind of went back on the idea of giving him a five-year contract, what it would mean is that actually we protected his value well enough when we did that to be able to sell him, turn a profit and uh, and actually make profit on that situation, a situation that was we were going to lose him on a free um, just like, what, 12 months ago. So, yeah, um, we're going to have to we're going to have to see on that. Afsar says, what happens to Lukonga, Tavares and Nicolas Pepe? For me, I'd sell them all. Um, literally, I'd sell every single one of them. 
I don't know that we will. Um, I think we're probably going to have to terminate Nicolas Pepe's contract. There is talk of that um, going on and, and there is talk of that doing the rounds. Maybe that's something that we're going to have to do. It'll be nice if we could get a bit for him. You know, even five, ten million pound would would go some way, wouldn't it, in subsidising the summer that we all want Arsenal to have. Nuno Tavares, I think we're going to struggle getting back any more than the seven odd million that we paid for him in the first place. Went out to Marseille on loan, started brilliantly, but you know, really dropped off. And and there was, you know, put it this way: somebody that I work with who covers French football, like literally full time. When I mentioned Nuno Tavares to him, he said. He is the stupidest player I've ever seen. Physically incredible, strong, powerful, really good runner. All the physical attributes are there, but in terms of just in-game intelligence, he says it's just completely lacking. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to get much for him. And Lokonga as well, you know. We spent 20-odd million on, on Albert Lokonga. Are we going to get anything like that back? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I agree with the comment in the chat from um, the shake who says no more kids. We need experience and quality. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's what we're looking for now. We need improvements. We need to take the next step, not, not to go backwards or, or to take gambles and risks around how we move forward. Going to take a couple more uh, just before we uh, round up the show. Um, thank you for tuning into this Sunday session so far. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, despite the shit show right at the beginning. Uh, we've got f- over 400 of you with us live right now. Keep voting. Suvla or Suvlagi, very Cypriot-themed poll uh, going on in the live chat today. Uh, we're 50 likes away from the 200 target that I set out at the beginning. So if you could help us get there, that would be very, very much appreciated. So like, like, like. It doesn't cost a thing and it really, really does help. Uh, but anyway, let's take a couple more of your questions before uh, we disappear um, still still daylight here in London, which is amazing. Um, but I do want to go put my feet up, chill out, relax a bit, get ready for the day tomorrow. Uh, as I say, traveling really early on Wednesday. So I've got a couple of days to get my life in order. Um, and uh, and yeah, and make sure that I keep across all the latest Arsenal news for you guys as well. Right. Um, DJD says, what about the rumors that Partey might leave? Have those quietened down? They seem to have, don't they? And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know really how much was in that. And whether it was just something that was born out of the fact that he wasn't being selected at the back end of the season. And then obviously in the last couple of games he was, and and maybe that just changed the, the kind of narrative around that. But I think Thomas Partey stays, to be honest with you. And he should stay because we, we want to build on on what we have. You know, we don't want to be dismantling and starting again. We, we want to just, um, we, we want to build on what we've managed to do this season and, and move forward. Uh, I'm going to take this one from Trini Guna again. He says, would you take a gamble on Lukaku? I know his stock has fallen, but I think because our style is completely different to Chelsea and Inter, his strength, aerial ability and power is what we need. I think to get Romelu Lukaku, remember we'd have to buy him from Chelsea because they still own him, would cost us way too much money for it to be worthwhile. But in terms of Romelu Lukaku, generally speaking, I do think with the right coach, he can be useful. I wouldn't write Romelu Lukaku off completely because those attributes that you mentioned are, are really stand out. And I think with those, he can always cause people problems if utilised in the right way. I don't think he was utilised in the right way by Chelsea when he returned the second time around, suffered as a consequence, went out to Inter, 
hasn't played every single game for Inter, has been a substitute, but, you know, could still win the Champions League with the Nerazzurri. So, yeah, um, interesting, interesting thought there. Personally, I wouldn't do it, as I say, because of what the cost involved would likely be. But, um, you know, I can understand why people are looking at him and thinking there might just be something still in there. Anyway, guys, right, I'm going to love you and leave you. Thank you all so, so much for tuning in. As always, it is so, so appreciated. Hopefully the outro runs nice and smoothly at the end of the program. If I could ask you to leave a like if you haven't done so already, we're about 30-odd away from that 200 target, which we wanted to hit during the live stream. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand new uh, as we push towards 27,000, and hopefully we can take that step up to 30,000 as well in the not too distant future. It does take time, uh, but we've got time. Uh, we've got lots of stuff to talk about over the summer and um, and hopefully we can take significant strides during that period towards that 30,000 milestone. I'm desperate to get the podcast to you. Thank you all so much. I'll speak to you tomorrow on another edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry C.